A very warm welcome to our listeners. I am Surinder Deol. Welcome to Indie Stories, a new podcast about creative short fiction. In India, there is a belief that there is an ocean of stories, Katha Sagar, which means there is no limit to the stories we can find and share with others. Looking back to the 20th century, we find that India produced many great story writers while we were still struggling for our freedom. Then we got our freedom, but it came at a tremendous human cost. Partition uprooted people and caused great suffering in terms of lives lost in communal riots. But on the literary front, it provided stimulus to the writers who wrote heart-rending accounts in prose that captured our best and worst instincts as human beings. These stories opened our eyes to new ways of looking at reality. In this podcast, I am going to present the work of exceptional fiction writers like Munshi Premchand, Sadat Hasan Manto, Krishan Chandar, Rajender Singh Bedi, Ismat Chokhtai, Amrita Pritam, and many others. I will also include writers who wrote in English like Mulkraj Anand and those who wrote in languages other than Urdu, Hindi or English. In today's episode, I present a classic of Indian literature titled Toba Teksing by Saadat Hasan Manto. It is a story about partition. It captures the human tragedy involving the exchange of lunatics between the two countries and its ending shatters our hearts. Saadat Hasan Manto was born in 1912. He was a prolific writer and produced 22 collections of short stories. He worked at All India Radio New Delhi and as a screenwriter in Bollywood film industry where he wrote many movies including famous Soramudi film on Mirza Ghalib. In 1948, he moved to Pakistan where he was tried for producing obscene literature. He passed away in 1955. So dear listeners, we start our journey with a great literary jewel of Indian and Pakistani short fiction. Saadat Hasan Manto, Tubatek Singh. A couple of years after the partition of the country, it occurred to the respective governments of India and Pakistan that inmates of lunatic asylums, like prisoners, should also be exchanged. Muslim lunatics in India should be transferred to Pakistan and Hindu and Sikh lunatics in Pakistani asylums should be sent to India. Whether this was a reasonable or an unreasonable idea is difficult to say. One thing, however, is clear. It took many conferences of important officials from the two sides to come to this decision. Final details, like the date of actual exchange, were carefully worked out. Muslim lunatics whose families were still residing in India were to be left undisturbed. The rest moved to the border for the exchange. The situation in Pakistan was slightly different. Since almost the entire population of Hindus and Sikhs had already migrated to India, 
The question of keeping non-Muslim lunatics in Pakistan did not therefore arise. While it is not known what the reaction in India was, when the news reached the Lahore Lunatic Asylum, it immediately became the subject of heated discussion. One Muslim lunatic, a regular reader of the fire-eating daily newspaper, Zamidar, when asked what Pakistan was, replied after deep reflection, the name of a place in India where cutthroat razors are manufactured. This profound observation was received with visible satisfaction. A Sikh lunatic asked another Sikh, Sardarji, what are we being sent to India? We don't even know the language they speak in that country. The man smiled. I know the language of the Hindustoras. These devils always start about as if they were the lords of the earth. One day a Muslim lunatic, while taking his bath, raised the slogan, Pakistan Zindabad, with such enthusiasm that he lost his footing and was later found lying on the floor unconscious. Not all inmates were mad. Some were perfectly normal, except that they were murderers. To spare them the hangman's news, their families had managed to get them committed after bribing officials down the line. They probably had a vague idea why India was being divided and what Pakistan was, but as for the present situation, they were equally clueless. Newspapers were no help either, and the asylum guards were ignorant if not illiterate. Nor was there anything to be learned by eavesdropping on their conversations. Some said there was this man by the name Muhammad Ali Jinnah or the Qaeda-e-Azam who had set up a separate country for Muslims called Pakistan. As to where Pakistan was located, the inmates knew nothing. That was why both the mad and the partially mad were unable to decide whether they were now in India or in Pakistan. If they were in India, where on earth was Pakistan? And if they were in Pakistan, then how come that until only the other day it was India? One inmate had got so badly caught up in this India-Pakistan, Pakistan-India rigmarole that one day, while sweeping the floor, he dropped everything, climbed the nearest tree and installed himself on a branch from which vantage point he spoke for two hours on the delicate problem of India and Pakistan. The guards asked him to get down. Instead, he went a branch higher and when threatened with punishment declared, I wish to live neither in India nor in Pakistan. I wish to live in this tree. When he was finally persuaded to come down, he began embracing his Sikh and Hindu friends, tears running down his cheeks, fully convinced that they were about to leave him and go to India. A Muslim radio engineer who had an MSc degree and never mixed with anyone, given as he was to taking long walks by himself all day, was so affected by the current debate that one day he took all his clothes off, gave the bundle to one of the attendants 
and ran into the garden stark naked. A Muslim lunatic from Chaniyat, who used to be one of the most devoted workers of the All India Muslim League and obsessed with bathing himself 15 or 16 times a day, had suddenly stopped doing that and announced his name was Muhammad Ali, that he was Qaeda Azam Muhammad Ali Jinnah. This had led a Sikh inmate to declare himself Master Tara Singh, the leader of the Sikhs. Apprehending serious criminal trouble, the authorities declared them dangerous and shut them up in separate cells. There was a Hindu lawyer from Lahore who had gone off his head after an unhappy love affair. When told that Amritsar was to become a part of India, he went into a depression because his beloved lived in Amritsar, something he had not forgotten even in his madness. That day he abused every major and minor Hindu and Muslim leader who had cut India into two, turning his beloved into an Indian and him into a Pakistani. When news of the exchange reached the asylum, his friends offered him congratulations because he was now to be sent to India, the country of his beloved. However, he declared that he had no intention of leaving Lahore because his practice would not flourish in Amritsar. There were two Anglo-Indian lunatics in the European ward when told that the British had decided to go home after granting independence to India, they went into a state of deep shock and were seen conferring with each other in whispers the entire afternoon. They were worried about their changed status after independence. Would there be a European war or would it be abolished? Would breakfast continue to be served or would they have to subsist on bloody Indian chapati. There was another inmate, a Sikh who had been confined for the last 15 years. Whenever he spoke, it was the same mysterious gibberish which made no sense at all. Occasionally, he could be observed leaning against a wall, but the rest of the time he was always to be found standing. Because of this, his legs were permanently swollen something that did not appear to bother him. Recently, he had started to listen carefully to discussions about the forthcoming exchange of Indian and Pakistani lunatics. When asked his opinion, he observed solemnly in his gibberish that made no sense at all. Of late, however, the government of Pakistan had been replaced by the government of Toba Singh a small town in the Punjab which was his home. He had also begun inquiring where Toba Singh was to go. However, nobody was quite sure whether it was in India or Pakistan. Those who had tried to solve this mystery had become utterly confused when told that Sialkot, which used to be in India, was now in Pakistan. It was anybody's guess what was going to happen to Lahore which was currently in Pakistan but could slide into India any moment. It was also possible that the entire subcontinent of India might become Pakistan and who could say if both India and Pakistan might not entirely vanish from the map of the world one day.
The old man's hair was almost gone, and what little was left had become a part of the beard, giving him strange, even frightening appearance. However, he was a harmless fellow and had, had never been known to get into fights. Older attendants at the asylum said that he was fairly prosperous landlord from Tova Teksing, who had quite suddenly gone mad. His family had brought him in, bound and fettered. That was 15 years ago. Once a month he used to have visitors, but since the start of the communal troubles in the Punjab, they had stopped coming. His real name was Bishan Singh, but everybody called him Toba Tek Singh. He lived in a kind of limbo, having no idea what day of the week it was, or month, or how many years had passed since his confinement. However, he had developed a sixth sense about the day of the visit when he used to bathe himself, soap his body, oil and comb his hair, and put on clean clothes. He never said a word during these meetings except occasional outbursts of gibberish that made no sense at all. When he was first confined, he had left an infant daughter behind, now a pretty young girl of 15. She would come occasionally and sit in front of him with tears rolling down her cheeks. In the strange world that he inhabited, hers was just another face. Since the start of this India-Pakistan caboodle, he had got into the habit of asking fellow inmates where exactly Toba Tek Singh was, without receiving a satisfactory answer, because nobody knew. The visits had also suddenly stopped. He was increasingly restless, but more than that curious. The sixth sense, which used to alert him to the day of the visit, had also atrophied. He missed his family, the gifts they used to bring, and the concern with which they used to speak to him. He was sure they would have told him whether Toba Tek Singh was in India or Pakistan. He also had a feeling that they came from Toba Tek Singh where he used to have his home. One of the inmates had declared himself God. Bishan Singh asked him one day if Toba Tek Singh was in India or Pakistan. The man chuckled, neither in India nor in Pakistan because so far we have issued no orders in this respect. Bishan Singh begged God to issue the necessary orders so that his problem could be solved, but he was disappointed as God appeared to be preoccupied with more pressing matters. What he wanted to say was, you don't answer my prayers because you are a Muslim God. Had you been a Sikh God, you would have been more of a sport. A few days before the exchange was to take place, one of Bishan Singh's Muslim friends from Toba Tek Singh came to see him, the first time in 15 years. Bishan Singh looked at him once and turned away until a guard said to him, this is your old friend Fazaldeen. He has come all the way to meet you. Bishan Singh looked at Fazaldeen and began to mumble something. Fazaldeen placed his hand on his friend's shoulder and said, I have been meaning to come for some time to bring you the news. All your family is well and has gone to India safely. 
I did what I could to help. Your daughter, Roop Kaur, he hesitated. She is safe too in India. Bishan Singh kept quiet. Fazal Din continued, Your family wanted me to make sure you were well. Soon you will be moving to India. What can I say except that you should remember me to Balbir Singh, Badhava Singh and Behan Amrit Kaur. Tell Balbir Singh that Fazal Din is well by the grace of God. The two brown buffaloes he left behind are well too. Both of them gave birth to calves, but unfortunately one of them died after six days. Say, I think of them often and to write to me if there is anything I can do. Then he added, here I brought you some rice krispies from home. Bishan Singh took the gift and handed it to one of the guards. Where is Tubatek Singh? He asked. Where? Why? It is where it has always been. In India or in Pakistan? In India, no. In Pakistan. Without saying another word, Bishan Singh walked away murmuring, To hell with India, to hell with Pakistan. Meanwhile, exchange arrangements were rapidly getting finalized. Lists of lunatics from the two sides had been exchanged between the governments and the date of transfer fixed. On a cold winter evening, buses full of Hindu and Sikh lunatics accompanied by armed police and officials began moving out of the Lahore Asylum towards Vaga, the, the dividing line between India and Pakistan. Some senior officials from the two sides in charge of exchange arrangements met, signed documents and the transfer got underway. It was quite a job getting the men out of the buses and handing them over to officials. Some just refused to leave. Those who were persuaded to do so began to run pell-mell in every direction. Some were stark naked. All efforts to get them to cover themselves had failed because they couldn't be kept from tearing off their garments. Some were shouting abuse or singing. Others were weeping bitterly. Many fights broke out. In short, complete confusion prevailed. Female lunatics were also being exchanged and they were even noisier. It was bitterly cold. Most of the inmates appeared to be dead set against the entire operation. They simply could not understand why they were being forcibly removed, thrown into buses and driven to this strange place. There were slogans of Pakistan Zindabad and Pakistan Murdabad followed by fights. When Bishan Singh was brought out and asked to give his name so that it could be recorded in a register, he asked the official behind the desk, where is Toba Tek Singh, in India or Pakistan? Pakistan, he answered with a vulgar laugh. Bishan Singh tried to run, but was overpowered by the Pakistani guards who tried to push him across the dividing line towards India. However, he wouldn't move. This is Toba Tek Singh, he announced. Once again in gibberish, that made no sense at all. Many efforts were made to explain to him that Toba Tek Singh had already been moved to India and would he be moved immediately. Oh, but it had no effect on Bishan Singh. The guards even tried force but soon gave up. There he stood in no man's land on his swollen legs like a colossus.
Since he was a harmless old man, no further attempt was made to push him into India. He was allowed to stand where he wanted while the exchange continued. The night wore on. Just before sunrise, Bishan Singh, the man who had stood on his legs for 15 years, screamed and as officials from the two sides rushed towards him, he collapsed to the ground. There, behind barbed wire, on one side lay India and behind more barbed wire, on the other side lay Pakistan. In between, on a bit of earth, which had no name, lay Tobataxing. That was Manto's masterpiece, Toba Take Singh. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. I shall be back with another creative work of short fiction next week. Until then, this is Surinder Deol saying goodbye.